0: at mikecrock.com forward slash book that's mike c-r-o-c.com forward slash book go get yourself a copy and subscribe to the what are you made of podcast on itunes spotify or your favorite podcast platform if you like watching these it's available on youtube at my channel mike c-rock Scirocco. now enjoy the show Welcome back to another episode of What Are You Made Of? with your boy, the unstoppable Mike Searock. I'm in the house and we're going to find out if our guest today is unstoppable, which I have a feeling he is when, once you hear this. His name's Philip Stutz. He's a bestselling author. He comes from the cutthroat world of political and corporate marketing and has been described as a marketing maverick reshaping business successes using the secret formula that gets presidents elected. He's contributed to 1,407 election victories. Is that number right, Philip?
1: No, it's 1,433 now. <laughs>
0: I'm saying is it right because it's so high. I love that. All right. So 1,433, including three US presidential victories and working with multiple Fortune 200 companies. He plays the game of political and corporate marketing in the highest level, battling it out with fierce competition, multi-billion dollar budgets, and a win or die mentality. Philip, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, brother. I am so excited to be here. Thanks
0: for having me. Hey, man. Listen, uh, I'm thankful to have you. And I don't know, was it Todd that got us connected? Yeah. yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Todd's a great dude. And of course, Dave Meltzer. I want to ask you the question that we start the show off with every single day. Philip, what are you made of?
1: Humility, imperfection, and growth.
0: Love it. Love it. And I can't wait to hear how you got into what you did. But before I do that, I got I to gotta ask you about the football helmet behind you.
1: Yeah. 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 Alabama.
0: Yeah. I, I, uh, I was last minute. So I don't bet much, but I just do just to play around. And have Yeah. Some fun yeah. Do you bet on the game? Uh, I, <laughs> Yeah, I thought George all along, and then right before the game, I'm like, you know what? There's no way Alabama and over. <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there watching field goal game, and I'm like, well, you got to be kidding me! So anyway, I didn't have, a, I didn't really have a dog in the fight, but uh, yeah. but it was you know one of them things and happens and hundred dollars down the drain. But anyway, did you go to Alabama?
1: I did, I did. Yeah, okay. yeah I was there from '92 to '97. I, I stayed an extra year. Or we at Alabama, we like to call it an extra football season.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. I like that. So, uh, in going to uh, into your career, let's let's first of all take me back. Take me back to growing up. What it was like as a kid. What kind of adversities did you have, if any, or did you have like a smooth childhood? Oh
1: Jesus Christ! I um, you know, I I I mean, I grew up in an upper income uh, family, so not gonna sit here and play. Uh, I'm the I'm the poor poor boy from from behind the tracks. That's not true at all. But tons of of probably trauma I've done eight years worth of therapy to get over a lot of the trauma, including uh, psychedelic therapies, MDMA, LSD, all that stuff with therapists. But um, I did that.
0: I I did that in college without therapists. Yeah. Yeah. So did my my wife. She tells me she doesn't want to do it
1: for therapy because she's already done it before. Yeah. Um, But uh, but anyway, I grew up in Alabama and really, you know what? I was the first generation, Mike, um, of ADD kids right? Uh, in the 1980s. There wasn't even ADHD. The H hadn't come out yet. It right, was just right. ADD, right? I remember that. And, yep. and they put me on Ritalin in 1988. Like, um, and they basically said, you're dumb. You're in, you know, they put me in classes that when I'm not exaggerating, slightly above special ed. And, you know, that's how they treated ADD kids back then, right? And so ultimately, I knew that I could only do something I was super passionate about, And like when when we got through college, I mean, it was like 22, I had no idea what I was going to do. And everybody's like, oh, you know, you got a good personality, you should go sell, you know, you could sell truck beds, you know, things like this. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I thought, I think I'd throw up if I sold truck beds. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, that doesn't appeal to me at all. Like, I'm not, still not motivated by money. I'm not motivated by money, but I have to do something I'm really driven by and purposely driven by. And I was really only, uh, only... Passionate about two things: uh, college football. But I'm, you know, I'm five ten and about 150 pounds. I ain't gonna last much longer, right? And then uh, the other one was uh, I liked politics, but I didn't like tax policy and environmental policy. I liked how in the hell those guys get elected. I was just fascinated by that. And ultimately, I went out and worked on uh, went out to California, worked on a presidential campaign in 1996, and got addicted to that
0: kind of volunteer. Or did you have to, uh, no? They, they I was got paid. Yeah, I got
1: paid. And then I go, man, I, this is what I want to do. And um, I, I just like the thrill of it. Listen, there was a three-year period, Mike, from 2000 to 2002, where I had 21 days off total, including weekends. And that's how driven and passionate it was before I was doing. I mean, I was helping a U.S. senator get elected, a governor get elected, and then ultimately helping a president get elected. And I just said, man, this is my purpose. And a lot of stumbles along the way, a lot of, a lot of failures, but really that was the, the start of how I kind of found politics and started working as a political marketer.
0: And how did you learn that? Like, was that a college thing that you studied or did you get mentored by someone or no. learn on the job? That was another thing. These people who
1: had mentors at young age, I'm so like jealous of that. I didn't have any mentor until I was 29 years old. Yeah. And it's probably the one, the biggest thing that ever held me back too but I didn't, I didn't have a mentor growing up. So I didn't know that mentors existed. I didn't know that. I mean, this world we live in now where there's masterminds every, I'm in like, you know, a ton of different masterminds. I freaking love them. And I'm like, where was this when I, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago, there was Tony Robbins and that was it. Right. And so, no, I didn't have anything like that. I just was, I would read and write about, you know, politics and, you know, for classes and things like that. And I just became fascinated by it. So I was like, I want to learn more. And, and school is not for me. As a lot of entrepreneurs, it just wasn't for me. I hated it. I think about it today. I don't want to throw up if I, if I ever had to sit in a classroom. You know, people are like, one day you should teach. I go, oh, no, like I can't even teach. I'm such a horrible teacher. No, that's the worst thing you could do. It's like being, listen, I'm a CEO of multiple companies. I'm the worst CEO on the planet. That is the honest to God truth. I'm fucking terrible. I'm a great visionary. I am I can yeah. execute like a mother trucker. But I am like if you need me to sit down and like manage people, oh my god, I cannot do it because yeah. no one taught me anything growing up. So I don't right. know how to it, I, when I you ask me like what am I made of? Well, I'm made of a lot of humility because like imagine that now I'm a dad and then like sitting there and going, what am I supposed to do with my daughter? Like I don't I don't have like a baseline of hey, my parents taught me how to do this and that and this and that like I'm having to like make it up and watch YouTube videos. And that's the honest (laughs) truth. Like it is
0: TikTok videos right now. So yeah,
1: but I mean, that's the honest truth, right? So when I say humility, it's true because I'm constantly, you know, humbled by what I don't know and how I need to get better. And that's where growth comes through for me and which is my motor veteran life is, oh, well, then I can grow out of this. It's not going to hold me back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that, man. So what, uh, when, when you're, when you're doing marketing and politics how often do you run across something not aligning with your core values and your and in your integrity?
1: So, do you have clients? Yeah, yeah. And some of your clients, do you believe in everything they believe in?
0: Oh no! Oh, how can no. you work for them? No, <gasps> no, 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 no! Oh no, no. my Hold God, Cyril! I'm not talking about the belief of things or the way okay. they look at things, but in we all know, obviously, you know this. and preach to the choir that not all political marketing and campaigns yeah. are honest. <laughs> Well, the
1: way I do it, I won't work. I mean, I'm only going to market some way, honestly. Like, yeah, that's
0: so just that's, what cool, I, that's what I'm asking. Because mine. I mean, I, there was, um,
1: where are you based
0: out of again? I, I live in Ocean City, Maryland, but I'm in Miami a lot too, because that's okay, where Okay, okay. So theaters. we were
1: doing a congressional race out of Philly over a decade ago, and the candidate had a lot of potential to win. And I was going, I was living in DC at the time, and, and I'm in Florida now, but in the time we were living in DC, and I was going up to visit him, like, man, this guy's got a lot of potential. And then he came up to me one day and he said, Philip, this campaigning is hard. I go, yeah, well, so is life. And he goes, yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. So I've signed a contract to turn my campaign into a reality show and you're going to be a star on it. And I went, oh no, I'm not. I resigned. And I just like walked away. And that's basically been my MO with people like that at any point in time in my career is I just go, nah, not, I'm not in alignment with that. Now, to go back to like my joke to you just a second ago, like there are plenty of candidates that I have met with, worked with, where I don't believe a lot of the things they believe, but I like them as human beings and I think they're good leaders and I think they can make change and I'm good with that. You know, I do mostly Republican politics, but Trump kind of blew up the whole system. And so now I'm bleeding into candidates I never thought I'd do stuff for because it doesn't matter anymore. It's about can they actually help save the Republic rather than are they right or left? I don't care anymore. And, you know, and I'm, you know, it's so, so it's been an interesting evolution over the years. But then we've actually, over the last six years, I had my, uh, you know, like when you turn 40, Mike, a lot of people have. Thanks these, for
0: assuming that I'm under 40. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah of course. But I, you know, you, we have these, uh, these midlife everybody calls it a yeah, midlife crisis whatever. And basically I've described it as like you're going up this roller coaster your whole life, and then you hit that 38, 39/40, and you kind of crest the top of the roller coaster, and you go, "Oh shit, that's all there is." And now it's all downhill, the second half. And everybody kind of freaks out a little bit, you know, like, and, and you, know, some people go buy Harley, some people cheat on their spouses. like there's a many, million different ways you go. I said, I'm going to take all my political experience, I'm going to apply it to businesses and help them grow. And so I just created a, a company out of thin air on a premise, which was the stupidest thing you could ever do because you think it's going to be so easy to start anything, right? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm the typical yeah. entrepreneur. Oh, this thing will 10X and in, in one year, I'll be living in an island and all that stuff, right? But... Uh, but we've actually had a lot of progress over the last six years in transforming businesses by, by running political campaigns for those businesses and how they market. And now we're doing stuff for Fortune 500 companies, startups, uh, B2B, B2C, e-commerce, all, all in between. And that's really what led to, to, the, to, to my book that I came out with this year.
0: And the name of that book?
1: It's called The Undefeated Marketing System. How to Grow Your Business and Build Your Audience Using the Secret Formula That Elects Presidents.
0: So let's talk about real quick, just uh, the differences and similarities between business and politics in regards to marketing. Sure. So yeah, the candidate,
1: yeah. yeah, the candidates, the product, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The campaign plan is the business plan and the customer is the voter.
0: <laughs> and there's, and, I mean, there, there isn't any difference. It's like,
1: of course there's differences. I, you know, one of the concepts I teach, I've written two books, I've written about this concept is in politics, we love to go negative. You know, those negative ads mm-hmm. everybody hates. Well, I love it right? I love that concept. I, I can bash somebody over the head with a sledgehammer. It's a lot of fun for me. But in, <laughs> in business, you can't do it that way. And so what we we coined the concept called comparitizing. So it's just comparative advertising, but it's utilizing the comparative ad principles in a way that offends nobody and draws deep loyalty to your product or service to you. And I can give you an example of that. We um. We worked uh, we work with an apparel company. They do work in the NHL and the NBA, and they came to us. And, and everything I do is, so if you want to know the truth, my whole position is I'm a, I'm a sort of a money ball player when it comes to marketing. I, everything I do is in data and analytics to market people, because that's how we do it in politics, and, and we can talk about it in the same. But the data we were looking at, the customer data we were looking at, told us that men hated cheap, cheap athletic wear. And uh, th- this company was more like a competitor to Lululemon, right, than, than Nike. But so they le- there was a high-end clothing company, like t-shirts and sweats and stuff like that. And they hated, hated cheap athletic wear, right? So we created an, an ad that said, uh, don't buy your clothes from a shoe company. And then the tagline was just don't do it. And of course, it's like going after the shoe industry, going after Nike yep. without saying it, right? You're smiling, no one's offended, and your yep. sensibilities aren't like, oh, I'm so offended right, by that, right. Right, right? And that's the most effect, it, it's the, it, it is the highest producing ROI for that, for that company they ever had in their 15 year history, because people saw that and they said, yes, I also hate uh, those shoe company clothes. And it drew loyalty, it made them smile, and that's the kind of concept we would do in politics that we kind of translated over into business.
0: I wanted to take a quick break here to remind you that my book, Rocket Fuel, is available for sale now at mikecrock.com forward slash book. That's com forward slash book. Go get a copy and share it with your friends and family. It will change lives, guys. I would not let you down. Now back to the show. And does it, in regards to what phase we are in our history, somebody was talking to me the other day. I can't remember who it was. They said in marketing right now in business, it's a what we stand against type campaigns that work the best right now. And then in other cycles, and it seems like the it, history is a cycle, then it's like what we stand for works better. Does that work in politics as well? Is there a cycle like that? And-
1: oh, Yeah. I would tell you, whoever told you that doesn't know what they're talking about. So that's- what I'm glad I didn't say their name and
0: remember who it yeah, was. Yeah.
1: That, that is how it is in politics though, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's about you know, what you're against rather than what you're for. What you're for can get you in trouble,
0: right? And there's never a cycle like, where it's better to be, tell what I'm for and focus Not on that. in the
1: last 25 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's pretty bad. Yeah. Um on, on, the, on the corporate side, so, so a little background. I, I have a partnership with the largest data collection analytics and AI company in America. And in my database, I have 240 million American consumers. 550 million connected devices, and we're tracking 10 billion online purchasing decisions every day and a trillion searches. So I can take, let's say you have a subscriber list, or let's say you run a company, you have customers, I can overlay it online. And then I can track their movements, not what they say, but what they do. And then I can spit out this report that tells you their top three values in life, the social media platforms are on a chronological order. I can tell you what TV shows they watch. I can tell you what, what, publications they read in, in, like specifically, I can tell you everything you've ever wanted to know about your customers, subscribers, clients, whatever can you it is, tell, not Can just... you
0: tell like what Instagram posts that people stop on more often than um,
1: not? <laughs> no, but I can tell you, like we, we, uh, we work, this office chair I'm sitting in right now, okay, that was a Shark Tank company. They came to us and they said, uh, we've got all this VC money and we need to double our company in the next two years, help us. We overlaid their customer lists online and we'd found out that Facebook was the fourth perform- best performing platform for them to be uh, advertising right. on, except they spent 85% of their dollars on Facebook and they had a Facebook marketing agency. So you think that agency, that Facebook marketing agency is going to oh. tell them, don't spend your money with us? <laughs> like, no, right? So I sat there and said, it's not that I wouldn't spend money on Facebook, but it doesn't need to be 85%. It maybe needs to be 15%. And we actually found the number one platform was Pinterest because as people, as as the pandemic had hit, women went back into the workforce, but they were working from home and they wanted a nice office chair. (laughs) And Pinterest was their number one platform. Why? One thing, Facebook has become a horrific platform because of uh, of the censorship and the data breaches and everything that's going on. And people are increasingly not buying products and services on Facebook. They don't trust it. But you haven't heard one word about Pinterest. So if you're targeting women in the marketplace, it's one of the safest, best places to go right now. And we're seeing that in our data all the time. And like, you know, we're doing this for a lot of people in the influencer world right now too. So it's been really interesting to see them take their brand and go to the next level because they're, they're finding out not what they should be against, but they're finding out what their customers care about and they're meeting them there. And that's the difference between what we try to do. So it's much more fulfilling to do the corporate <laughs> work, yeah, than the yeah. political work now, but now, that's kind of how we look at it.
0: Now, before I ask the final few questions here, I just want to make sure I get to, how can my audience get engaged with you? Because I don't want to miss that part and uh, reach out to you for help or whatever the case is. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Well we do have a, it, like like I said, we we have this data uh, analysis report that we do um, that I mean people can can look at their customer list and get a better insight into what they do again, we've done it for Fortune two hundred to startups to to small businesses, but you can go to philipstuds.com slash insights and we do a three for a free 30 minute consultation just to tell you how your data would look in our system and you don't have to pay for anything on that. but you can go to philipstuds.com. and you can find my book there. You can subscribe to, to my subscriber list. I don't spam anybody. I don't sell anything. I just like to write about what's going on in the marketing world and how you can benefit from it. And then I have a podcast called The Independent Marketing Podcast where I've had Jay Abraham, Peter Diamandis, James Al Tucher, a host of other high-level, great business people. Then we just sit there and talk about great marketing ideas that work and, and try to help other people with
0: them. Great. Go support Philip. Get some you know, value from him. He's just offering that to you for free, guys. So go get it. Uh, Phil, are you done politics?
1: No, I still haven't. I haven't an ad anything say that does uh, okay, so still about uh, $20, $25 million a year.
0: Okay. And then what about-, what about um,
1: I don't run that anymore. I'm just uh, involved on the outside right, helping. But-
0: Okay, but you and you're not going to get involved with campaigns anymore. Or you're never going to say never. Oh, I never you said just never. I just said never. Right. Well,
1: if a, if a presidential candidate comes to me and I'm in, and I'm intrigued, I'd be in, I'd be interested.
0: Okay. And then as far as presidents go, uh, these, I I always said before Trump, I always said we need somebody who knows how to run a business. Now I mm. might not know what the hell I'm talking about, but that was before Trump. And then when he started to run, I'm like, holy cow, my prayers were answered. I think I called mm. and created the future, and then we saw what happened but then the establishment just crushes, like yep. tries to crush them, right? Sure. It cancels them, everything else, right? Do you ever think that we'll see another business type candidate? Well, we'll see candidates, I'm sure, but president.
1: Yeah, he, he broke the mold, man. I mean, hate him or love him, he broke the mold, right? And uh, we, we, we worked on his first campaign. And you know, um, I think it opens the door for a lot of different type of candidates in the future. Um, I, I think he's the most disruptive force in the history of American politics.
0: Ever. And you did work on his campaign?
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I wasn't aware that.
0: Okay. Yeah. So, with that being said, I, I, when I was watching his, his run and then his presidency, people would say, He's such an idiot. Why does he say that stuff? Like, yeah, it's in a, like you'd hear all these people, even, even supporters, right? But I always told people when I was watching, and correct me if I'm wrong, I would say, He's smarter than you guys. Like, he's smarter than what you think. He knows mm-hmm. what he's doing. Well, am I right with that? So, I'll give you an example. So, uh, you, do you know who uh,
1: Dr. Drew is? Yeah. Yeah, I said, Dr. Drew is a good buddy of mine, and, and there was this homeless cri- homelessness crisis in LA. In, uh, in the summer of like 2019, Drew calls me and is like, this is out of control. And I said, well, why don't we figure it out with the, with the White House? He said, really? I said, yeah. Unless, unless you're scared to like be seen with Trump, yeah, let's go. So we got him in, we took him to the White House, I took him to the White House. And here's what we know. The president literally will look at an issue or President um, uh, Trump does. He would look at an issue and go, why are we doing that? And his advisors, well, it's, you know, this is the way it's always been done. He goes, uh-uh, uh-uh. no, 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 no. Uh-uh, uh-uh. I don't care if it's always been done that way. Why are we doing it now? Because if it doesn't make sense, I don't want to do it anymore. Now, that brings a lot of chaos to it. And you saw that chaos. But that's truly how he acted when the cameras weren't on and all that. There was a common sense element to what he was doing that never got seen by the press or anybody else. But a lot of people on the inside did see that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, here, here's another example of what I mean by that. So if you go to a service academy in college, and all of a sudden you have pro-athlete potential, like you're a football player at the Naval Academy, and they say, hey, this guy's got some, uh, you know, you remember David Robinson, like he had to mm-hmm. go serve like Usually you have to go serve seven years and then you, know, you could go play professional sports if you want. And so I think David Robinson ended up getting uh, some kind of deferment, but he's like the only one ever. And so some, President Trump looked at the issue and said, this is the dumbest thing ever. A service member playing professional sports would represent our country and make us look great. This is, why are we doing this? Well, it's, it's just always been done that way. He goes, well, we're not doing it that way anymore. that's just one example that I saw. I saw it on the homelessness issue. He could not believe what was going on in LA. And he was determined to help fight that. And he partnered with Dr. Drew and other people and really tried to make an impact. And he didn't care that Dr. Drew probably was never going to vote for him. He didn't think about it twice. He just said, let's go solve the problem. Now, was he perfect? No. Uh, Everybody says to me, probably uh, C-Rock Pave says to you too, if he just didn't tweet, he'd be X, Y, and Z, right? And I say, stop with that. That's who he is. You don't get either or. You get both. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah. And make your choice. You either yeah. like it or you don't. Or you go, I can live with it. I can live with those stupid tweets because of everything else. But that's all. That's the choice. The choice isn't, I wish he didn't uh, and how you have the good stuff and not the bad yeah. stuff. Sorry, with Trump, you get everything. So mm-hmm. you got to accept it or you don't. And he knows that.
0: <laughs> He's good well, with it. Well, well, look, I think it's similar to a mission. So we're we're we have a tech incubator with, I don't know, you know Grant Cardone? The mm-hmm. so 10X incubator. We started an incubator. Jared Yellen is a co-founder of it. And we're launching, scaling, selling 10,000 tech companies in 10 years. That's the moonshot. In doing that, that's our mission, right? We have this, this thing out there we're shooting for. Now, doing this, nobody's ever done this before. We're going to have hurdles. Some days are going to suck. You're going to have assholes. You're going to have people that don't know business. You're going to have people that don't know how to follow a mission and just push things aside. You're going to deal with all the stuff. And, but, and that's similar to Trump. Like you got the, the odds and ends, mm-hmm. right? That's right. But at the end of the day, what's the mission? Like what's your sight set on? That's what matters. All this other stuff's not going to matter tomorrow. No. And so I think some people just don't realize that, man. They don't understand the better, the, vis- the vision at the end, make America great again. I mean, what a great slogan. Did you come up with that, by the way?
1: No. Oh. Elections <laughs> matter. Yeah. Elections matter. And look yeah. where we are now. Look yeah. where we are now. I also say elections matter. I live in the state of Florida. I helped elect Ron DeSantis in 2018 over a guy who two years after losing by 30,000 votes out of 6 million, uh, a guy named Andrew Gillum, was caught with gay hookers uh, smoking meth. And that's who could have been the governor of our state Mm -hmm. had, during the pandemic, had 15,000 voters out of 6 million had just switched their vote from DeSantis to Gillum on election day.
0: How do these people even get the opportunity to be in that position? They just... <laughs> people, like, people like yourself that have good marketing abilities? No, it's probably. But some, to no, some but extent. I mean, but man, I mean, geez, look, seriously. you have
1: incredibly crazy. horrible narcissists that want to be in office. That, that is a fact. Like, I can't do anything about it. Listen, I work within the system. It's not perfect, but I'm not going to sit on the outside and complain and then not do anything. I'm working in the system to try to make it better. Yeah. And, but you know, when I look at that, I go, you know i wonder if people in the state of florida and even the people in new york and maryland and pennsylvania who moved to florida in the last year and a half because there's been a lot of them i wonder if they realize how much elections have consequences now because you've got one with the trump versus biden and now you have got lockdowns and you're canceling people out of society for not being un- i mean for being unvaccinated even though they may be healthy mm-hmm. and they may have done everything they've needed to do over the last 30 years of their life to work out eat right, do all those things, and make the personal decision. You know, you know the abortion people say, my body, my choice, well, but now that doesn't really matter anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. So, no, you know, yeah.
1: elections have consequences, right? And 42,000 votes out of uh, 155 million. That was the difference between Trump Holy winning cow. and losing over Biden.
0: Holy cow.
1: Yeah, because it was three states. It was Arizona, Georgia, and Wisconsin. And in those states, 42,000 votes, a difference of 21,000 votes switched on election today to Trump would have won that election.
0: Final question. Is he running again? You'd have to ask. <laughs> you think I know? I no, but know. Your, your opinion, your opinion. 50, 50. Okay. All right. All right. I'll take that. No, I don't okay. even think he knows. I think one day he's for it. One day he's probably
1: against it. One day yeah. he's for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I well, uh, mean, look, I want to thank you for coming on the show, man. Gratitude is important to me. I want to express gratitude for you. Spending oh, I'm, the time I'm the grateful time to you, with too, you too, man. Thank you, man. And uh, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm going to talk to you on offline about something in a second, but I want to thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for keeping coming back and supporting the What Are You Made Of movement. Go to YouTube and subscribe if you like to watch these. And until next time, be unstoppable. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of What Are You Made Of? Be sure to check my website out at themikesirock with no K.com, and let us know how we can help you or your business reach its full potential.